Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up on this morning's menu, NBA Finals, NHL Game 7s, Baseball's Best Bets is named Mookie, and I have an airplane etiquette question that I need your help with. All that and a whole lot more. Summertime, let's go. Here we go! Only one place to start. Oh, and the one place to begin, of course, is with the oncoming, upcoming, incoming NBA Finals. We are T-minus two days away and counting. Late tomorrow, I'll be flying out to San Francisco, but I am delighted that my buddy Zach Lowe of the Low Post Podcast and much more is good enough to hang around in studio after get up this morning and give me the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Thank you again, Zach Lowe. My pleasure. So my favorite thing on the show today, well, oh boy. my actual favorite thing was Kendrick Perkins arguing with himself and trying to bait you into an argument over the historical greatness of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and comparing them one to the other. My second favorite thing on the show today was a terrific tape that you did. Oh where you broke down several things that you like and don't like going into these finals. Let's actually start with that. Let's give the fans something to be paying attention to. You do that column on ESPN.com. So pick out one or two of them as we project ahead to these finals, Warrior Celtics. What's a thing or two that you really like as far as matchups and a thing or two you really don't? Let's start with the don't. Get the displeasure out of the way early. I The way Rob Williams looked at the end of the Heat series was – a little immobile on defense, not confident around the rim on offense, bringing the ball down instead of going right up with it. If there's a team that you cannot afford to have your big man be immobile against or compromise against, it's the Warriors who run you through the gauntlet of screens and cuts and all of that. And his vertical dimension changes the Celtics. So that's one. If he's if he's not right, at the Celtics are, are starting, maybe not from behind the eight ball, but from a place of, of more weakness than than you would think. Well, let, let, let me dive in on that a little bit, because um, over the course of the Eastern Conference Finals, there was a moment in time that I said on the air, I thought Robert Williams should have won the, the Larry Bird Trophy, and then games six and seven happened, and that was no longer the case. But I agree with you. He's such an incredibly important part of their defense. Now, he's been playing with the knee. The schedule was grueling. That Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, I'm exhausted, and I wasn't even playing. I'm just going back and forth between the games. These teams having the time off they do now. The Celtics, by not wrapping it up on Friday night, they didn't get as much time to rest as they could have, but they finally have a few days here before they go out there. Do you expect him? What, if anything, do we know about the expectation of him and Smart as how healthy they should be for game one? I think Smart... Is, this is just going to be what it is. He's going to play. He may not be 100, percent but he, you know, he he made a lot of shots in Game Seven after a shaky um, Game Six. I think. Yes, but made, it's his defense. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's his defense on Steph that I think is is his most significant contribution in these finals. I mean, he guarded Jimmy Butler in Game Seven and looked pretty good doing it, despite Jimmy Butler going crazy. Like he, I think he's he's as good as he's going to get, and and he'll only get better. I think Rob Williams. This is just the, the, what they've said all along, and publicly, privately, is it's just day to day. Some days it hurts. Some days it hurts a little bit less. He's just going to gut through it as best he can. He's missed some games in the playoffs. So I don't know that the extra day or two or whatever that's built into the finals is going to help him. And as you said, like not only did they did they play to the wire against Miami, the Miami and Milwaukee series, I mean, those are brutal, physical, tough teams. Long 14 games against those teams in like a month is, is not easy. No, it, it, that, that schedule was tough. And I know there were a lot of people, um, I don't want to say complaining, I mean, pointing out, internally that it might have been impacting the quality of the games because these are two great teams. I mean, the Celtics and and the Heat, um, th- they were the top two teams in the East this year for a reason. 
And it was a compelling, an enormously compelling series. But it wasn't always an artistic masterpiece. And I do wonder if fatigue was a major factor in that. I, I don't think it helped, but I, also they were two of the top four defenses in the league, the two most switchy defenses in the league. And when you switch a lot and you're really good at it, what you end up having is like a lot of one-on-one driving into the teeth of great defenses. It doesn't always look pretty. And I think this series is the top two defensive teams in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see which offense can kind of find cracks to exploit. But the offense, the, the offense that Golden State runs is so different. And it's, I'm not going to say it's, it is, it is defense proof. Nothing is defense proof. But the, I think, I, as ridiculous as this may sound, I think that after the, 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 the barroom brawl that were these 14 games against Milwaukee and uh, Miami, that to sort of be out and trying to cover space, as ridiculous as this may sound, might actually be a welcome change for the Celtics chasing guys instead of trying to keep from getting knocked down constantly by them. I think there's something to the physicality part of it. I mean, Giannis by himself is like the, the amount of relief they felt just to have that guy out of our lives. Yeah. But I've talked about this with Richard Jefferson, who faced this team in the finals multiple times as a Cav. I've always compared it to like you, you face like four fastball pitchers in a row and then you've got a knuckleballer. I mean, the Golden State is the knuckleballer of the NBA where you face traditional pick and roll offense after traditional pick and roll offense after isolation offense. And then you're like, whoa, what, what is this thing happening all around me? And you've seen teams in the finals, including those Cavs teams, those first two games, it's such a big adjustment that they were almost shell-shocked every time. And I think, I, I think game one is going to be really interesting. I'd be very surprised if Boston goes and pulls out game one, given the fatigue, given what they just went through, and given that they're now going to play an offense that is entirely unlike anything in the NBA. They were so good on the road, have been so good on the road in these playoffs. <clears throat> the Celtics have. I'm, I'm just doing the math in my head. It's Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects small businesses with affordable coverage options. Quote today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. They won both road games against the Nets. They, they won th- two out of three road games against Milwaukee, right? So that's four out of five. And then they won three out of four on the road against Miami. So, I mean, that's, what is that, seven out of nine? It's very good. I'm not doing the math, but it's I mean, very they've good. been ridiculously good. The road has not been a problem. Uh, give me one matchup you do like. You gave us the one you don't like. What's a matchup you do like one way or the other in this series? Well, I mean, I, I, I just hinted at it is, is that – this Golden State offense is just different. It looks different. It feels different. And it requires a different kind of coordination and speed on defense. Boston has the goods to defend anybody. They're the best defensive team in the NBA. But built around Steph, he's the engine. He's the ethos of everything the Warriors do. It's just a different kind of offense. So you can talk about Marcus Smart on Steph Curry. It's a great matchup. Yeah, Marcus Smart might be the best individual answer the league has to Steph Curry. But guarding Steph Curry is not like guarding a normal point guard. Steph Curry in 10 seconds becomes a pick-and-roll ball handler. Then he's running around like Ray Allen. Then he's screening like Draymond Green. It requires switching. It requires all five guys to be on the same page because you can play 20 seconds of incredible defense against the Warriors. And I thought the Mavs did that a lot in the conference finals. And one little slip-up undoes all of it. And they force you through so many different actions that they just increase the odds that, yeah, there's going to be a slip-up because we're going to make you do 12 different things. This is not playing James Harden as great as James Harden was against in his Rockets peak. It's, that was one thing. The Warriors are 12 things in 10 seconds. Yeah, look, six out of eight is something that, that it, it reverberates in the NBA because six out of eight is the Bulls. Six out of eight in the 90s is the Jordan Bulls. And similarly, 
those two years in the middle when the Bulls weren't winning their championships, we all remember, was when Michael wasn't there playing baseball. And in this case, the two years that the Warriors have been absent have been just decimated by injury. First, Durant, well, he's hurt anyway, but Durant leaves, and then Clay Thompson never came back. I mean, Clay is in his sixth consecutive finals as far as years that he's been healthy. So when you say to yourself, well, someone has figured out a way to beat the Warriors, actually, no, they really haven't. I mean, the Warriors, when healthy and when fully constituted, have, have basically been in the finals every single year. So if it was easy to do, someone else would be doing it. Now, Zach Lowe, let's make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, because the real fun for me comes in the bigger picture stuff. So I think this series is about two players as far as quote-unquote legacy. One of them is Steph, and that's historical, and the other one is Tatum, and that's as far as his sort of place in the pecking order. Let's start with the easier one. Jason Tatum made first-team All-NBA, so I'm not exactly sure what you ascend from that to. But if they ride him, if he's a guy who puts this team on his shoulders and they win an NBA championship in the next two weeks, what does that mean for Jason Tatum? Yeah, I think, I think you know, we can sit here and list the players. I think it gets him closer to the discussion of who are the top five guys in the NBA, which right now is a really tough discussion to crack when you're talking about Luka, Giannis, Curry, Durant, Jokic, Embiid. I mean, it's that we already just listed six guys, and I probably forgot somebody. So it gets him closer to that kind of territory. But, man, Jason Tatum has set the land speed record for, like, quickest ascent to when we start talking about legacy and place in the league. You know how old Jason Tatum is? He just turned right? 24. He just yeah. turned 24. Yeah. He's just start. If he's even in his prime, he's just starting it. And that's that's pretty incredible that we're already having these kind of discussions about um, it. Yes, I understand what you mean. And, 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 and I take that in a positive way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, like, Jason Tatum is a guy, we all remember him the one year at Duke and how good he was there. And I remember talking to Krzyzewski one time on the air. And they, I, I believe they won the ACC tournament. I forget what it was. But I said something to him, and this was back in the Mike and Mike days, and I said something to Krzyzewski like, well, I don't want to say that he carried you single-handedly, but I was trying to be respectful to his team. And Coach K cut me off. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, no. He, he carried us. Like Jason Tatum, a freshman, because he was a one-and-done. He carried us. He, he's been that guy going all the way back, right? He was that guy in high school in St. Louis. He was that guy at Duke, and he's become that guy in the NBA. And all of that... Sometimes you, all of the, what you just said, sometimes you need to take a moment and remember how the Celtics got Jason Tatum. Yeah. Trading down from the number one pick in the draft and watching the Sixers take Markel Fultz, the Lakers take Lonzo Ball. And oh, by the way, we got another lottery pick from the Kings for our trouble and we drafted Jason Tatum. I mean, that's crazy. That sound you hear is Hembo falling out of his chair Sorry, right there. Hembo. The Sixer fan devastated by that. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. So that's the easy one. The much more complicated one is Steph. Because Steph... Not only is he already one of the greatest players of all time, but he, he also occupies kind of a unique place in that, which is to say, I, I believe he is the most beloved player of his generation. I say this as the father of a now 19-year-old boy who played AAU and high school and all, all basketball all through his life. I sat there and watched doing my own completely informal poll. But if there were 100 kids at every one of these tournaments... 90 of them were wearing Steph jerseys. Yeah, kids don't everywhere like I NBA went. teams anymore. Kids like Steph Curry. They like Steph. If Steph had left, like everywhere LeBron went, team, you know, well, these kids went and got his jerseys. But every one of them takes Steph over LeBron. Not, not that they think he's better. They love him more. And, and whatever it is. So he's about as popular a player as, as we've had in the league, maybe back to Jordan. Um, and, and, but his, and his skill set is so unique. 
Like, what's at stake for him here? What, what could change with the way we consider Steph Curry if this goes well for him? So, Perk and I, and Rich Jefferson got into it last week in Miami about Perk's comment that he might surpass Magic Johnson if he gets a title and a finals MVP. RJ just de facto thought that was insane. You can't replace Magic Johnson in, in the hierarchy. And I, and I said, I actually don't think it's crazy that he would get into that kind of territory. He already has 3,000 more points or 2,000 more points than Magic Johnson. With even moderately good health, in three or four years, he's going to be the seventh member, I think, of the 25,000-point, 6,000-assist club. And assists will never do his, him justice as a playmaker because of exactly what you just said. No one has ever made plays like him. He gets the equivalent of assists without touching the ball. I'm not even counting... I'm not even counting the hockey assists, which right. pile up because of, you know, he's one pass away. I'm talking about when he just runs around and five guys chase him and some Kevon Looney gets a dunk. That's an assist that he doesn't even touch the ball on. So the stats like that are never going to do him justice, and that's why he's so hard to talk about. He plays that way in part because he's the best shooter ever, in part because he's 6'2", and Magic Johnson is 6'9", and he can't lord over the game the way Magic Johnson could, the way every other sort of apex wing or big man could. So he just does it differently. But if he if he wins the title and gets a finals MVP, that's four rings, a million-time All-Star, a million-time All-NBA, two MVPs, including a unanimous one, I, I think the point guard conversation then comes down to just him and Magic. And I don't think it's crazy to say that it's a debate at that point. When we did this before the season, when ESPN did the rankings, Steph Curry is 16. Seems right. So here are the players in front of him. Moses Malone is 15. Julius Irving is 14. I think he hops both of those guys. Hakeem Olajuwon is 13. Now we're getting dicey. Kevin Durant is 12. And then, and then we're getting into the ridiculously rarefied air, not, not to, to denigrate any of those. But now we're into Shaq, mm-hmm. Kobe, Oscar, Duncan, Bird, Russell, Chamberlain, Magic, Kareem, LeBron, and Michael. So, I mean, now, now we're really in the... the, the so why wouldn't people say top 10 all the time? Like, really? Like, it's hard you, to start, do. Start listening to top 10. For any, for any of these guys, start listening to top 10. It's hard. It's hard. Anyway, but, but there is nothing better to do than listen to the Low Post podcast. When's the next one dropping? Tonight. Tonight. Excellent. We'll do that, and I'll see you down the road on the finals. Thank you, my man. You're the best. Always a pleasure. Zach Lowe here. I, I have a million things stored up that I will get to as I continue. I obviously haven't been here in a little while. I also have an airline etiquette question that we will do as we continue uh, here. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, so today's Green List, again, as always, a top five this, that, or the other as chosen and selected exclusively by me and only me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. Here are my five primary takeaways from the Eastern Conference Finals and the upcoming finals, which I have spent the last two weeks of my life focusing exclusively on. Here we go. Number five. I have no issue with the shot Jimmy Butler took at the end of Game 7. Zero issue with it. Why did Hembo's head just do that? Why did you just do that? Because I disagree with that opinion. How do you disagree? What, what possible disagreement could you have than him taking an uncontested pull-up three when he's been overwhelmingly the best player on the floor the last two games? You have the ball in his hands, and he's, if he knocks that shot down, they are going to win for sure. Mm-hmm. There's not a better look. What better look are they drawing up against that defense that they're going to get than that? Jimmy Butler taking a two-point shot. Jimmy Butler is not a good shooter in that uh, I mean, the Celtics will take that. The Celtics will take that on every possession. And just because he was heroic leading up to that point doesn't mean we have to pretend like that was a good shot. You know what he did, Greeny? This is what he did. There's a, runner, there's a runner on third base. The infield is back. You're down by one run, and he tried to hit a home run. He made the selfish decision. Jimmy Butler played a great series, but he made the wrong shot in that series. Oh, I totally disagree. I have zero issue with that shot he took. He had, he had made himself. The player, that they were either going to win or lose based on him. I have zero problem with that. And there isn't a more, against that defense, there isn't a more wide open look you were ever going to manufacture. Number four. Uh, Steph and Tatum are the storylines of these finals. We just went over it all with Zach Lowe. To me, Steph, historically, he has a lot at stake here. A lot. And all to the good. I don't, there's, I don't think there's practically anything that can happen that is going to diminish Steph Curry. I I struggle to even think of a realistic scenario. But on the plus side, I do. And we just talked about it. I think he has a lot here, including if he plays great and they win the championship, I do put him past Kevin Durant on the all-time great list. And, and it, not because I think he's a better player, but as we discuss all the time, in the same way that I call Tom Brady the boat and Aaron Rodgers the goat, if Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers came out, you know, and you were, you were choosing up at sides between the two of them, you would take Rodgers 10 out of 10 times. Look at the arm. Look at the mobility. Look at all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but Brady always wins. So these things can't be judged by that. they got to be judged by accomplishment. Steph Curry will be a more accomplished player than Kevin Durant in two weeks if he wins another championship. He just will be. And Tatum, we just talked about it with Zach Lowe. Tatum then has a chance to elevate himself from what he is now, which is one of the great young stars in the NBA. But I think behind Luka, behind Giannis for sure, Behind, you know, behind a small handful of others, I think he elevates right into that conversation. So I think those are the two guys with the most to have, uh, to, the most to gain here. Number three. Uh, the Celtics try so hard to give away games, it is infuriating to watch. I mean, it, it, it's hard to remember now back because these games all blend together. But game six, they absolutely had one in their own building. They're behind, they're behind, they're behind. They come all the way back. Get, Derek White is playing the game of his life. They go ahead three points in the fourth quarter at home. How do you lose that game? Did you watch them play offense the rest of that game? And did you watch them try as hard as they could to give away game seven on Sunday night? You can't try harder to give the game away. 
You cannot do more things that should lead you to losing a game than the Celtics do offensively late in close games. And it is a fact. It is a statistically proven fact. They stink in close games. They were 29th out of 30 teams in the league this year in close games. There's a statistic within five points in the final five minutes. So, like, I want to pick the Celtics going in. And I have been saying on the air for a little while here that I do like the Celtics. But it's very hard for me watching them in these fourth quarters of these games. You're not blowing out Golden State. You could be beating Golden State by 21 points at the start of the third quarter and still be losing in the fourth Mm. easily. So you're going to have to win some close games, and I just don't trust them to do it. So that is overwhelmingly my biggest hesitation. Number two. I think the the word dynasty is going to get thrown around a lot here. I think if the Warriors win, there's no way not to call this a dynasty. I think if they win their fourth championship in six years, I understand one huge piece of the puzzle has changed, which is some of them had Durant and some of them didn't. You know, the Jordan Bulls, they all had Jordan and Pippen. Jordan, Pippen, and Phil were the three threads of commonality amongst all six titles. If you had swapped out Pippen in there somewhere, it might not have felt like one dynasty. You know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It, It wouldn't diminish the accomplishment. But a dynasty can't just be about one person. It's got to be about a collection. I think you got to give it to the Splash Brothers. I think the Splash Brothers and Steve Kerr get dynasty status if they win this. Mm. I'm not 100% sure they don't get it even if they lose. And they're not done. But I think they get dynasty. Why are you looking at me? No, you I, agree or disagree? No, I, with this I agree because look at the iterations here. They were able to win before KD, with KD, and if they're able to win after KD, I don't know what else you could call it. Their first championship... Jason Tatum was a junior in high school. Yeah. He's the best player on the other team with this opportunity, and I'm not sure they're done. I, I think that's well put. Okay, and then finally, number one, I believe Jimmy Butler should have won the Larry Bird Award for the Eastern Conference MVP. I think he was the best, not only the best, but the most valuable player in that series. And I know we almost never give that award to players on losing teams. And I want to immediately fend off any threat there might be of people can, uh, accusing me of being hypocritical on this. So, Bubba, let's lose the music. And let me bring Bubba in, by the way. A delight, as always, to have Bubba here. So, Bubba, you might have been one of those people, because I have been one over the years who have said that the idea that you would give a baseball player MVP from a last-place team mm. is a joke and laughable. And I believe it's happened twice. Andre Dawson and Alex Rodriguez, if I have that right. Maybe there have been others. But that's laughable. In my opinion, you cannot possibly be the most valuable player on a team that finishes last. It's ludicrous. Where were you going to finish without him? So before anyone says, well, how can you then give the MVP award to the only team that lost in this series? These are two totally different sets of circumstances. The Heat didn't finish last. I understand they finished second out of two in the series. But that's not the same thing as a team that finished last over the course of a season. I I strongly believe that the first time the Warriors won their first championship, whatever year that is, 15 or 16, Mm -hmm. that LeBron should have been the MVP of that series. Mm. That series won six games. LeBron James led both teams in every category. Andre Iguodala got the MVP of the order of of that for holding LeBron to like 29, 10, and 6 or something. LeBron should 100% have been the MVP of that series, and I believe Butler should have been the MVP of this one. Uh, Bubba, agree or disagree? I think I'm with you on that one. I think uh, I think the the media or whoever's voting, whatever panelists. So this are, one I did not vote. My understanding yeah. is there were nine people who voted on this. I, I honestly don't know who they were. Yeah, because I think it's it's somewhat of a 
controversial, you know, take, I guess, if you will. And I feel like they're just they're just too they don't want to go that route. So I think they're just gonna go with the all right, pick someone from the winning team, let's go. And that's how you end up, like you said, with Iguadala when it's clearly not wasn't the best player of the series. So I think you should pick the best player. If they win, they lose, whatever. It shouldn't matter. You should be picking the best player of the series. And Jillian Butler was unbelievable. What he did this series was ridiculous. And yeah, I, th- I think it makes perfect sense. Who cares if he lost? Yeah, they would have lost in six without him. They would have gotten blown out in game seven without him. And they wouldn't have won game one without him. So, to me, that more than covered it. Hembo, if you had to vote, who would you have voted for? Jimmy Butler to score oh, 35 points three times against the league's number one defense without any help. For sure. It was like Jerry West the first year of the finals when they when he, Jerry West remains the only player to win finals MVP from a losing team. To me, Jimmy Butler should have had that distinction here. All right. So what's on your mind? What's on these guys' minds? Brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Okay. So a lot of things have happened since I've been gone. Let's dive into some of them. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. Do I have Liam in there today, by the way? Did I hear Liam talking earlier? Liam, you with us today? Oh, yeah. Okay, love it. So I, I, I want your take on this in particular, because Liam, uh, for those of you who remember him from the old show, uh, Liam is a drunk. And, and, and so he, 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 your, yours is the take I want on this in particular. I have two airplane etiquette questions that I need sort of solved for me this morning. Here comes the first one. It's a week ago Sunday. I'm flying back from Boston to New York on the off day between games three and four of the conference finals. I'm going to come back here. I'm going to do get up. I'm going to see my wife, whatever. I haven't been home. So I come home. It's a Sunday morning. My flight, I want to say, was 8.30 a.m., some very early hour. Any of you who've made that flight, the captain, the pilot, will announce, we're going to be in the air like 36 minutes, okay? Like they, 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 they carve out an hour and a half of your day to make this trip. But they actually announced, we're going to be in the air 36 minutes. So I'm sitting in my seat. I got a guy sitting next to me. And we're just sitting. I've, not, I've made no conversation with him whatsoever. It's early on a Sunday morning. The flight attendant walks over and says, would you like anything to drink? Bear in mind, they're barely going to have time to get us whatever it is we ordered to drink. There's no food service on this, on this flight because it's a half hour. And I say, I'll have some water, please, no ice, which is my standard order. And the guy sitting next to me says, I'll have a Jack and Coke. And, you know, I tried very hard not to react because, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I'm not offended by him ordering a Jack and Coke or anything, but I will admit to being a tad surprised. So I tweeted about it. I I just posted that because I just thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, for me, normally, a tweet that gets a lot of um, reaction, a, a lot of engagement, which is the word, will have anything over a thousand likes. If I see over a thousand likes, I think, oh, this seemed to strike a chord with people. Last I checked, that one had like 16,000 likes. So, Liam, I was fascinated by that, and I clicked on the responses just because I wanted to see what are people reacting to. And I was besieged with people telling me, Greeny, on an airplane, all rules of drinking do not apply. All rules are off. If you're on an airplane, you can drink as much as you want, whatever you want, at whatever hour it is, whatever else is going on. No rules apply. Liam, is that, did I miss a meeting? Is that actually a rule? 
Yeah, in my experience, if you drink too much before you get on, they don't let you on. So you don't drink before you get on, and then when you're on, go nuts. 36 minutes, six-pack, three Jack and Cokes, do it. Six-pack. He's going six minutes of beer. So, so, because here's the thing. If you walk into a diner at the exact same time, you're in a coffee shop, and you order breakfast, same time, and the guy next to you, like let's say you're sitting at the counter, you know, so there's someone next to you. This same person could be sitting next to me. If he ordered a Jack and Coke there... The whole room would stop, right? Like the waitress would be like, wait, you want what? Do they even have a Jack and Coke at 8.30 on a Sunday morning in a coffee shop? They should. Perhaps. But what? who's drinking it? That's what I want to know. Liam, have you ever had a Jack and Coke? I don't know if that's your drink of choice. But at, 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 at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday on a half-hour flight, are you drinking a Jack and Coke? Actually, no, I'm not. Not that early. Nope. I mean, right? It's Bubba. Is this a rule? Did I miss a meeting? You know, maybe he's just uh, a little scared of flying and he needs some cocktails. So maybe he just wants to uh, ease the uh, thought of flying. So he's throwing a few back. I, I didn't have any. I don't have. I know how to gauge that. Like he didn't strike me as particularly nervous about anything as we sat. I didn't. Well, he's not going to be wearing. To a, he's not going to be wearing a sign. Okay. What was your? Remind me where you were going to and from again. I was going from Boston to New York. Okay. So if you're afraid of flying, you're not flying from Boston to New That's York. Good point. You're driving or you're training or you're walking. That yeah. can't be the reason. <laughs> That's actually. Come I got to give you credit. That is a very good point. I know that you yeah. are the reason that people shake nerds. This is why people shake nerds. Right. That's actually a good point, Bubba. That is an uh, easily trans, <laughs> transversal. What, 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 you can easily make that trip without yeah. flying in an airplane if you're that worried about it. That wasn't a bad response. That was surprisingly good from him pretty quickly. I can actually prove it. The day before, I had taken the train. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, took sure. the train up sure. from New York to Boston. That's a delightful <laughs> ride, by the way. That is Sella. It's fast. It's co- I got J.J. Reddick and Stephen A. were on the flight. We had the best time. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's that was a, a lovely that's trip. That's a crew right there. And if you're drinking on that one, now we all had a game that night, so none of us are drinking. But, 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 but that I can get. We're there with three hours. Like We're sitting there. We're hanging around. We're on a train. Like you said, and it was also in the middle of the day. Liam, I'll give, I'll give you the final... Oh, actually, I didn't get your final word. Yes or no on the drinking on the plane? No, I, I am the kind of person that judges others that drink on the plane. Okay. I, I just can't do it. I, don't, I just... It, does, it doesn't... doesn't I mean, match at the any point, you're si- so 8.30 a.m. or 8.30 p.m., you're going to judge someone. Yes, the only exceptions are if there's obviously like a bachelorette party or something of that kind, but... To no, go- you don't allow anyone to drink at any time on a plane? I judge people that well, do. That's weird. I judge people that you do. You judge the drinking on the plane. So I now do. you've gone too far. I, I see. I, I believe you've gone too far. Yeah. Yep. This is why people shake yeah. nerves. Okay. You had you it going. Stopped you were at doing that well. Point. Yeah, you had a great point. You should have stopped there. You went too far. See, that, that, is, that, is, that is the biggest problem. Go ahead, Liam. So how long did it take him to neck it? Did he drink it in 36 minutes? Did he have two? Like, or is he, he just sipping the entire one. time? He did not have a second one. He, he drank it. I didn't notice. He, he definitely finished it. He didn't, like, throw it back. Like, it was a real drink. I'm I have to admit it. something. I've never had a Jack and Coke. So I didn't know what? exactly. I've just, that's not my drink. I don't, I how don't, do you know? You never had one. I mean, how do I know I've never had one? You think <laughs> no, I wouldn't know if I've know, never had no, a Jack and Coke? How do you know you Coke? don't like it if you've never had one? You might like the Jack I don't and know Coke. that. I've just, I know I've never had one. Do you like Coke? I didn't know what to expect it to look like. Like it was in a big, <laughs> dr- it was in a big glass with a lot of ice in it. Like I didn't know. Like, I didn't, what's a Jack and Coke? Is it going to look like a like a martini? Is it going to look like a? <laughs> is it going to look like a, a vodka and soda? Like what's oh it going to look God. like? <clears throat> and and it can't. It can't. It could have easily just been a Coke. Like it just came in a glass that you would have put a Coke in. 
And I guess they just put some Jack in yeah. it, and there yeah, you go. Probably one of those little ones, you know? They, little uh, yeah, they put, pour the little... Yeah, she didn't bring him, like, the little Jack bottle. She, she actually, she, whatever she drink it, it was, she made it back in, the other, <laughs> in that other compartment. Uh, anyway, okay, so that's one of my two airline etiquette questions. We will get to my other as the day continues. We still have to do that. We still have a green light coming up. We got a lot to cover. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. I wanted to get this. Kendall, you told me that the odds on NBA Finals MVP tell an interesting story. They do. So obviously Steph Curry is... The favorite, given that the Warriors are the favorite. His odds are about even at plus 100. And then next on the list is Jason Tatum at plus 180, naturally. What is curious, Greeny, is that no one else has shorter odds than 10 to 1. So what Vegas is saying is that it is overwhelmingly likely that either Curry or Tatum will win finals MVP. But as we know, it's not always the obvious choice. So I'm curious, excluding those two guys, if you were to pick maybe a sexy, dark horse, kind of under-the-radar potential to make our listeners a few shekels, who might you think? All right, well, the obvious next two would be Jalen Brown and Clay Thompson. Jalen Brown is 10-1 to 1 and Clay is 15-1. to 1. Okay. Those so are the next two. Th- those would, would, well, it just seemed like, if, if it just stands to reason they would be the next likeliest players to win. If you're looking for someone kind of off the board, mm-hmm. I think it's extremely unlikely, but what are the odds just for the heck of it on Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole is 30 to 1. Yeah, I mean, he could go nuts. And, and, and I think it's likelier that a Celt- if the Celtics win, that someone else wins. Let me give you one. Marcus Smart at 35 to 1. Let's say the Celtics win the series. They're going to probably do it because of their defense. Yeah. He's going to have the biggest responsibility. 35 to 1, kind of like an Andre Iguodala kind of finals MVP. Here's the thing I don't like about it I don't like his ankle. Did you did you see the injury he mm-hmm. suffered in that yeah. game? I think it was game three. Or four. Mm-hmm. He's he has not looked. I know he made a bunch of threes the other night, but on the defense, he doesn't look the same. I need to know that he's fully healthy. I'm going through the Celtics. It's not Horford. It's not Williams. Uh, it's not Peyton Pritchard. But if if the Warriors win, it's going to be Steph. Right? That's what I mean. It's, got, it's like, a narrative. Someone thing. would Clay Thompson would have to average sixty points a game <laughs> in the series for them not to give it to Steph at this point. Okay, I like the question. We'll see what winds up happening. Meanwhile. I'm ready to go. 
Green Light with Greeny. Memorial Day always feels like a pretty good time to sort of do a check-in on on what is going on in baseball. So let me give Hembo the green light here. As we are now basically two months into the baseball season, what is the biggest surprise story? The biggest surprise is I cannot believe how good the Yankees are and how wrong I was about it. This team is 33-15. and The lineup is being carried by Aaron Judge, having an MVP season, who is on pace to hit 62 home runs. And the lineup is the second best part of this team. The Yankees pitching staff has been incredible. Right now, their starters own a collective ERA of 2.82. To put that into context, their, their $324 million pitcher Garrett Cole has an ERA of 3.12. He is a below average starter for the New York Yankees right now. Greeny, coming into the season, I didn't even see the Yankees as a playoff team. But right now, I think you'd have to say they are the favorite to win the American League. I'm about to hijack your segment because imagine the conversations we will be having if Judge hits exactly 62 home runs, okay, and, and, and to make 100% clear for anyone who might not understand what I mean, in some people's mind, the record is 61. Depending on how old you are, in some people's mind, the record is 60. 61 had an asterisk in the record book next to it for a while, And then there was Maris, and he hit the 61, and we ultimately eventually came around to celebrating that. But there is no one in baseball history who has hit 62 home runs in a season that is not tainted, for lack of a better word, by the steroid controversy. That's right. So if he were to hit 64, somehow the the idea of him hitting exactly 62, it would feel to me would be... Remarkable. What would that conversation then be, Hembo? Well, I mean, the conversation would be, naturally, how much money will Aaron Judge get in free agency? Oh, I get that. I get that. Because Aaron Judge turned down a $210 million contract. But they would have that if he had 64. I'm talking about there will be people saying he should be considered the home run champ, right? There's no question. He should be considered the single-season home run record. If you're willing to exclude guys that we know or believe to have been, you know, been cheaters, then Aaron Judge would be that person. And, and, and the symmetry between 62, 61, and 60 would be so cool. That's what I mean. So cool. Like, these records are not supposed to go from 61 to 70. No. Right? No one in the sport had ever hit 62, and then all of a sudden we went to 70 in one year. Think about how that looks now through the prism of time. I've always said Aaron Judge is the guy, the player in baseball best equipped to get past 60 because he has bigger power, bigger raw power than anyone the game has ever seen. All right, we will do more uh, baseball as we continue. I'll let you finish up your green light. I just thought that was interesting. I'm Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Progressive.com. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.